0: Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, sportsman drag racing. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Big Jed, how about it?
1: you say, Bogak, Uh, everything's good here. Um, You know, missed last week. By the way, I was able to catch that show, uh, which is a little different than normal if I'm not able to join i usually don't get to to check it out but uh, i was able to catch that and your words about uh, frank aragona were spot on and perfect uh, your memory of him was really cool and uh, of course your thoughts on those other important subjects were good as well so great show last week sorry i couldn't be here i was in orlando on business and um you know glad to be back glad to get back and talk some sportsman drag racing uh congrats to you I, I know you probably wouldn't have mentioned this otherwise but congrats to you a uh, father of the the most dominant junior racer on the grounds at the king of the coast this weekend gary knocked him out
0: yeah if uh if he were on here with us he'd tell you all about how amazing he is He's he's got a little <laughs> bit of a, a bloated head at the moment which we we're, we're going to okay. have uh, to have to work on a little bit but no it was uh it's a lot of fun to to watch him progress and and obviously fun when everything kind of falls into place too. So yeah, that was cool. It's funny to your point about listening to the podcast. I think I could count on one hand, the episodes of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast that I've gone back and listened to. And if there's five, four of the five were episodes that I wasn't involved in. So yeah, I, I, I got to gotta stay caught up, right? Loyal listener myself when when I'm <laughs> not the tough. one talking at least.
1: No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's always good to stay caught up on the action.
0: So what's happening in your world? Well, we've got a I think with I'll be honest, I'm a little out of sorts. Just had a, a computer lock up as I got here. I like don't have my normal camera. I had the wrong name. So I'm I'm playing catch up just a little bit. We yes. uh we landed half an hour ago from our trip from Gulfport. So I'm I'm stretching a little bit here. And I'm a little bit nervous if I'm going to be completely honest about today's show, because this is as unprepared, Jed, as I've been for a Sportsman Drag Racing podcast in a a long time, maybe ever. So just just as a warning to the listeners, this might be our best show ever. And this might be the way that we do things from here on. But the, the premise of today's show is bold predictions for the 2023 season and full transparency, a little bit of inside baseball here. Jed's got a list. Of predictions. I've got a list of predictions. Jed was out of town on business last week. I was out of town racing all weekend. We haven't discussed this a bit, so I have no idea what's coming, and it may make for the best conversation we've ever had.
1: Should be great. It really should be good, Luke, and uh, believe me, being unprepared is something you just get used to, and you, you at some point, you embrace it. So, you know, uh, I'm there. Have been for quite some time. I don't even know how many episodes this is, but I've been here for at least 300 episodes. Unprepared, so I think it's that's right. Good. I think that's right. You'll you'll I come th- to love it.
0: There is there is a part of me that says you know life could be simpler if I was more comfortable winging it. So here we go.
1: Okay, <laughs> I like it. Good <laughs> well, stuff.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the, the hashtag loyal listeners, the loyal watchers, if you will, those of you interacting with us live on Facebook, realize that the the schedule week to week has not been particularly consistent as we just try to find a, a, a whole that, uh, that works for each of us. I think beginning next week, we'll be back on our normal Tuesday schedule. But for those of you that uh, are finding time here on a Monday evening to join us live, we appreciate you. And then obviously uh, the masses that are are taking this in as, uh, as an audio version via the podcast come Friday, uh, we appreciate you listening as well. Reminded <clears throat> once again over the weekend, it seems like this is more the case, Big Jed, when I go to someplace that we don't go very often but just blown away at how many people actually listen to this nonsense that we put together each week. I mean, just people come up out of the woodwork, man. I love the show. I haven't missed an episode, you know, and it just uh, boggles my mind. It's humbling and, it, and it's super appreciative. So to those of you that are out there, I still think you can count them on two hands, but you come up to me every week. So we appreciate yes. it.
1: Yes. Both of you. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: All right, Jed, without further ado, lead us off. Bold prediction. Number one, for the upcoming racing season?
1: Okay, Luke, um, I, I don't have these listed exactly like this, but I think uh, my not so boldest is where I'll start. Uh, the, the The All-Stars, the JEGS All-Stars event is obviously moving, it's changing venues. And it is going to Dallas to the national event there uh, later in 2023. And we know that it's uh, it's kind of been its own thing at Joliet. It's, then it became part of the U.S. Nationals. So it's been on some big stages and it's been on the biggest of stages. Now it's moving to an area of the country where the Division Four racers, which are badass racers, Are going to be extremely comfortable, and look, Division Four is going to wreck the All Stars. I've got them winning it, which is not a very bold prediction, and I can't quantify this part of it, but it's going to be a landslide. Uh, Division Four—they will even beat my home division, Division Two. They'll even
0: best us, Doctor. Doctor, can can you check on him?
1: Yeah, yeah okay? I know. It's a, yeah, my, my homerism is not shining through at you, the moment.
0: You do realize that the state of Alabama does not reside inside the geographic dimensions of NHRA Division four.
1: Yes, I do realize <laughs> that we are not Division four racers uh, and I will take care of Alabama later in the program. But uh, unfortunately for Division two in Alabama, we will not get close in the All Stars event and Division four Will crush the competition and win this easily.
0: Okay, that—that's. I don't like you said. I, may, I guess I don't. I don't know how bold that is, but I'll yeah. say this: Division four is always a very representative division, and it makes sense when you bring it into their home arena. I, I'm just—I'm flabbergasted, Jeff. Like, can oh, the crim- can away. the Crimson Tide not win in Austin? <laughs>
1: <I> mean, <laughs> well, we does, did does last Georgia
0: year. not stand a chance in Norman what's going on here.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely out of my comfort zone to even say those types of things, Luke, but, um, you know, when division two wins, when they kick division four's tail and every other divisions tail wins it all, I'll come back and eat those words, uh, happily.
0: No, you'll probably say you had Alabama all the way
1: along. You just didn't want to That's how so. I motivate them. That's how I, how I motivate <laughs> my division. So, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with something that makes me look good. Well, I mean, <laughs> makes me sound good anyway.
0: I'll say this. I think if you're handicapping the field, <clears throat> it would be hard not to give Division 4 an edge. And I say this without even glancing at what the rosters could look like. Like, I don't think any of them are set just yet. Um, just from the home field advantage and knowing the talent that's in division four to begin with. Um, that said, I think anyone would if given the option you get D4 or the field, you'd be ignorant not to take the field, right? Like strange things happen in sure. the All-Stars. You're thinking it's a it's a combined record of what seven or eight drivers on each team. Like it just takes a couple of things going wrong to alter all of it. So it's a it's a crapshoot. But like you say, if you're gonna lay odds on it. I think Division Four has probably got the best odds going in.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So that's a that wasn't my boldest of predictions, but I think it was fairly bold considering that Division Two will get an opportunity to compete. And anytime I'm picking against them, it's pretty bold for me. Um, Luke, before you move forward with, with your first bold prediction, I'm very uncomfortable right now with this live uh, program because we're both being shown at the same time. Typically, it's whomever was talking gets uh gets brought up on the screen but uh for some reason somebody's monkeyed around with this thing got us both on here at the same time so very uncomfortable just this wanted is... to get that out there
0: <laughs> so you don't even get a break from being on the screens which yeah me. yeah no don't, is, don't. Is, this is your zoom screen or this is what's being streamed on facebook
1: uh this is on facebook
0: yeah yeah oh, okay we're, somebody's got to fix that because obviously yeah, that's well, not that's not coming from my live stream at this point that's it's that's a view thing so okay yeah i, I I'm not uncomfortable with that because I'm not coordinated enough mentally to watch it on Facebook while we zoom. So I don't care.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable for both of us right now.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Since you went the NHRA route on your first prediction jet, I'll I'll keep mine in the the bracket racing realm. And I was in, in prefacing this, I feel like Each and every season for the the recent years, there is a door car driver that kind of emerges, right? That maybe is regionally recognized as as a hitter, right? But not necessarily a big name on the national stage coming into a season. And by season's end they have just run roughshod over the door car field at the, on the biggest level, right? Uh, two, three years ago, I think that's Garrett Griffith, right? And he's made a name for himself ever since. Last year, it was obviously Aaron Dysinger. This year's door car that just begins to elevate and stand out. And he's probably more of a, of a nationally recognized name coming into the season, but I think will be a very much a household name by the end of the season. I think it's time. Brett Williamson. The guy that has been knocking on the door of like stardom i think for many many years has obviously had a ton of success regionally and i just feel like like he's multiple 50 grand wins waiting to happen
1: yeah i love that prediction because he is a bad dude i mean brett williamson is extremely difficult out whether it be the top or the bottom uh primarily known for his bottom bulb uh racing skills and one of the best with a button in his hand that that i've ever seen so i uh, love that pick and would love to see that bowl prediction come to fruition because uh Rep puts a lot in our sport he deserves it and, uh, and it would be really cool to see him get some of those big stage wins that we all know he's capable of but just hasn't had a ton of opportunities at so.
0: Yeah, love I don't know pick. why that catalyzed in my brain. Like, I've been saying Brett was going to be a, a a Hall of Famer since I watched him drive his junior dragster at, like, 14 years old. I just feel like he's got enough experience now that he's to the point that nothing's going to phase him. Like, I just – he's won multiple uh, mid-range, I guess, big dollar races, you know, five, ten granders, things like that. Like, I think this is the year that he makes that next step.
1: Okay, very good pick. I, I love that bold prediction. Hmm again, would really enjoy seeing that one come true, just knowing Brett like I do. Okay, Luke, I am going west, and am going to talk about the spring. It's it's out there somewhere. The Spring Fling Million, which will be held in Vegas here in a couple of months or a little less, and, you know, we we. We will at some point pick who we think is going to win the race and all that stuff here on the show. I'm just going to go out and say that it's going to be the largest million dollar event that the spring fling million has ever had. I just, I feel real good about the vibe that is around this event. Um, we've got people from Alabama that are going out and. I think anytime you start getting enough East Coast influence and the the West Coast has freed up a little bit, Canada has freed up, I think this thing's really brewing to be their largest spring fling million ever. And uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that that happens for Peter and the Spring Fling staff and the folks out at Vegas. But I don't know, man, it just feels like a really good vibe around that thing. So I'm feeling like it's going to blow up.
0: I like that prediction. I, I, I think that that's accurate. When you started prefacing that by Spring Fling Million, I thought I thought where you were going, Big Jet, I thought you were going to call it first true West Coast winner of the Spring Fling Million.
1: No. That's kind of coming, okay. Let's just don't. Oh, okay. Don't we're steal my we're thunder, setting the okay? table because I, I thought thunder.
0: about that riding down the road today, and I just can't bring myself to go there. But uh, we won't spoil. We won't spoil it. You have got that coming. We'll, we'll revisit that. Stay tuned. It's, it's what we call a tease here in the business. Along those lines, Big Jed, where I think we're largely on the same same wavelength. My next prediction, similar. OG million makes the move north to, uh, the, the racetrack formerly known as gateway worldwide technology raceway, St. Louis, Missouri. I believe my prediction is that it will be the biggest OG million in history, which is saying a lot coming off of last year's turnout in Montgomery. What do we have close to 400 entries?
1: Uh, 496.
0: Oh, close to 500 entries. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Okay. Maybe I should rethink that. That's a lot of million dollar race (laughs) entries. I just' it is think a huge the move number geographically, I think is really going to benefit that event, not only being in a little bit more central location, you know, if you just took the u s broadly, but moving outside of the the typical demographic a little bit. Like I just feel like and maybe I'm wrong, like it is a risk to move outside that that natural demographic that we've talked about before, but I feel like there are so many racers that have had the OG million as a bucket list item for years and years and years, but couldn't justify making the journey to wherever it was, South Georgia, Montgomery, whatever. It's always been in the Southeast. And now this race gets closer to a lot of them. Like, I just feel like, especially, and I do think that the million has found a home. I think we'll we'll find that, that it stays in this location for quite a while for a variety of reasons. But I think there's also the sense that like, Hey, this thing's moved around the last several years. This may be as close as it ever gets to us. Right. And I just, yes. I think that it's a, for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned about Vegas, uh, conflicting and coming together, confluent. I don't know, coming together. Yeah. I think the OG million is the biggest one ever.
1: Yeah. Luke, you know, originally when that move was announced, I thought, you know, that's going to be challenging because I'm not sure. How many of the traditional true East coasters will make that wide range trip over to St. Louis? But, again, I'm feeling like uh, you're feeling that, that there's just a wonderful vibe around that move and that uh, that the folks at the Million have made a really good choice in venue, obviously, and it's going to allow so many people west of there to come participate that hasn't got to do that uh in maybe in the history of the event. So uh feel real good about it. And I think uh I think it's gonna I think it's gonna land itself to a very large crowd. Now it's gotta I, be 496 Luke. So that's bold.
0: <laughs> yeah I, mean, I didn't real realize bold. how bold I was getting with that and I had a short term memory there, but I'll I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. I got I got faith in the in the Midwest and the West and the North and Canada and everything else that's gonna have to support that race to get it to 496. I got faith in all of it. Um, I, and I'll go a step further. I don't know how you would ever quantify this to say that you, you could definitely say that I was wrong. If it goes anywhere, I don't know how you'd ever say that this prediction is accurate, but I think that it will be a, a drama free OG million, which we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah. Like I just, I think things are leaning that way. I think the radar is up both from the the staff and the racetrack. Like a, a lot of things are, are out of, anyone's control, but I just think we're due for like, Oh, the million happened and like nothing went completely haywire. I I think that's coming.
1: Yeah, that would be wonderful for the participants and uh, certainly the, the staff at the million. So uh, hopefully that uh, comes to fruition as well. But um, you know, in terms of the crowd, that, that big crowd that we've been seeing in Montgomery tends to cause some of the the challenges that that the event has seen, you know, just because potential weather and time and all of those things. So I feel like it's in a good part of the season for St. Louis. You know, it's it found a good place on the calendar, which is going to help it. And a big crowd there is not going to be a, a major issue. We know parking's not going to be a challenge. So I think all in all, it's just going to be, like you're thinking, just a very positive move and and really good for all involved. So uh, we'll see how that one turns out. But uh, like we said, it's got to be the big old number, Luke. So stay in with the OG. Okay, um, okay. uh, You know, I do believe that uh, the Spring Fling Million is going to be the largest. You believe the OG Million is going to be the largest they've had. You you challenged me and thought I was headed to West Coast to win the Spring Fling Million. But the West Coast, and when I say West Coast, I really mean west of the Mississippi. I don't know really where we would define the West Coast, what's considered west. Maybe that's Colorado and west or whatever. It's the,
0: it's the edge of Texas, like El Paso and over.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, we, the, the OG Million will be won by a West Coast racer uh those guys get plenty of opportunity in vegas but vegas is a challenge it's a challenge for the people that live there the wind the the elevation the change in atmosphere and and all of that stuff it's a challenge for people that live there and somehow the east coast continues to uh, emerge victorious but all that's going to be settled down in st louis So it's just going to be go out there with great equipment and let go on time and do your job. And the West Coast is going to be more represented at St. Louis than they've ever been for an OG million. And the West Coast will come out victorious in the OG.
0: Bold. I don't. That's both. I, I, I can't agree with you, and it's and it's been close to happening. Aaron Markham years ago, runner up at Memphis, I believe, right? Uh, Markham, yeah,
1: I do believe that Boise believe guy. That, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's
0: the one West Coaster that sticks out in my mind. Obviously, in my mind, obviously, it's while unprecedented, it's certainly not unthinkable. Especially when you think like you're lumping race kid, Mark kid, into that group, and Chris Whitfield, and all of the West Coaster that we would normally talk about that are almost certainly going to to uh, make their way to to St. Louis. your logic, I would argue with though, like I actually think that the biggest I think racing's tough everywhere, right? And I think the West Coast guys by and large don't get the credit that they deserve like if if you travel around enough, you'll realize there's good racers everywhere, right the <clears throat> the mass of good racers I think is is more prevalent specifically in the in the bracket racing realm um east of that that line that we drew whatever we're going to call that right um from the west side of texas i think that the thing that stands out about west coast racers what i think they're really good at especially those that travel a little bit on the west coast is adapting to wild conditions because you get that on the west coast like tucson to phoenix to pomona to vegas like that's four completely different elements. Like we're don't, we don't get that in this part of the country. Like we can race anywhere from Dallas East and you're pretty much in the same stuff. You know what I mean? With the, with the exception of Bristol, like, and what the change that we have going from quote unquote, sea level to Bristol, that's like Vegas to, I don't know, Pomona seems like it's always really fast. Like the, just the swing in conditions out there and their ability to adapt to it, I think is the biggest thing that West coast racers have going for them. The, I guess to some extent, Vegas gets so tricky. It becomes a little bit more of a driver's race. And I think that that typically sways more to the the East coast side, but I just think like when everything it's because you get St. Louis that time of the year, like nothing's going to move. You're going to go dead on for five days and the tolerances that, that we're going to race within at that event are so tight and so much tighter than what you typically see on the West coast. Like I actually think that plays against what would be their typical advantage. Like I, I if there's going to be a West coast champion, I think it's far more likely to happen at Vegas than it is St. Louis, but that is a yeah. bold prediction sure to go wrong.
1: You're a smart guy, Luke, and all of that sounded really good. It really did. It <laughs> sounded, like, sounded like you knew what I was going to pick and you were ready for it, although that's truly not the case. But you couldn't be more wrong. The, the West Coasters have perceived uh, adaptation uh, because when your opponent is not holding anything and you've got a perceived one-and-a-half in the bag and, you know, you, it looks like you adapted well. Because your opponent's now thou above, has them really thou above, and your one and a half advantage only had you going dead five, so you, you've you got a little room there. The East Coasters come into Vegas because they're willing to hold five, and they, they make all that. They, they just let go double O and take the stripe and make it work, so that's perceived adaptation um they won't have to do any of that they can hold their one and a half in st louis and it'll be the same at uh, 8 30 in the morning when they run and 8 30 at night when they run and they're going to go down there and kill their little number or their stuff's going to be so good and they're letting go so good they're not going to hold it all and the east Coasters are going to overhold. it's just a whole big mess and that's going to allow the west coast an opportunity to come in there and crack the door open so
0: Speak it into existence, Jed. Speak it into existence. My (laughs) argument is that the average package, average winning package in St. Louis, I don't think it'll be half of the average winning package at at Vegas, but it'll probably be, if the average winning package at Vegas is 20,000, the average winning at St. Louis will be like 12 to fifteen. And I just think like that is a, and, and I mean, those numbers are probably not accurate, right. And you can multiply them up, but I'm 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 just saying in reference from one to the other, it it will be tighter in St. Louis. And I just think that level of precision is just something that the West coast is not typically used to mainly because they don't have the conditions that warrant it, but the ability then or the willingness to set up that tight that's going to be necessary at St. Louis, I think is going to be a bit of a change.
1: Now, had you said that, when I first made my bold prediction, I, I would have lost a lot of confidence in my prediction because that <laughs> now that sounds hard to beat. So, <laughs> there we go. I got it. All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You got me back in the corner here. Come on, West Coast. All right, I'm
0: trying to keep notes up as I go here. I'll go back over to the NHRA side. Um, let me go a little bit different direction here. I don't know, Jed, if you've had your... Um, ear to the 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 radar on this i actually just realized this recently because i'm obviously not a top sportsman competitor there's been some rule changes in top sportsman and i guess getting away from what i feel like is a little bit archaic um but basically there's no there's no minimum weight requirement anymore in top sportsman and used to be with a power adder you had to have i think it was like 2600 pounds like there were several fast cars that had well over 100 pounds ballast just to make minimum, right? In some cases, well, I guess you're not technically supposed to have more than 100 pounds in ballast, so I won't say that, but there were several cars, to my understanding, had more, right? And is, Which honestly doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to barrel off at 650 at 200-something mile an hour, how on earth could it be safer to be heavier? Anyway, they, they got rid of those rules, so there's no minimum weight weight requirement. And you've got a lot of fast cars that if they choose to can shed that weight now shedding weight in a, in a top sportsman application, probably a little bit easier said than done, right? Obviously those things are pretty critical on balance. So I don't, I don't know that a a lot of them will necessarily take advantage of it, but I think the opportunity being there and the idea that you're in a go fast class to begin with, they're, they're going to be compelled to to see how fast they can make them go. Long story short, my bold prediction, Big Jed, is that we see somewhere along the line, I guess it would make sense to be indie, but I won't even say Indy. We will have an NHRA national event this season in which the top sportsmen bump, bump, slowest car 650 or faster. We're going to have some fast TS fields.
1: True. I mean, if. If guys can pull a hundred pounds at that speed, Luke, I'm guessing that's probably six, seven hundredths in those cars. Yeah. It may not
0: even be that going that fast, but it's my understanding that some of these cars can shed like 300 pounds. That's a bunch.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Obviously, they can't have that in ballast, as you said. So they're having right. A, yeah, no. Obviously, finding other ways. Total but,
0: combination uh, changes to to figure out how to get that weight
1: off. Yeah, I don't know what the typical bump is for a top sportsman uh, race car or race event, um, but six fifty and faster, being the the thirty two car field. That's that is a bold prediction because. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, admittedly, I pulled that six fifty completely out of my rear end. I meant to do some research here. Let's pull it up in real time. Let's see what the bump oh, was at Indy. Last pull it up year. live. Yeah, pull, this is this is how this works. A little behind the behind the curtain action.
1: I'm gonna guess that it was six seventy three at Indy.
0: There's too much that goes on at Indy. I can't even find the freaking qualifying sheet. Um, there's top dragster. Top sportsman, qualifying session three, 32-car bump. Ooh, that might have been a little off there. 32-car bump last year, 696.
1: Oh, 696. I don't know that we'll get four okay. tenths
0: out of it, but I'll stick to it. By God, you got to be bold, right? Bold prediction. <laughs> That's the title of the podcast. Yeah, no, no doubt <laughs> about it. Yeah, but at last year's Indy, there was 13 of the 32 were 650 or faster. So I might, I'm might. i bold. I'm bold, <laughs>
1: That yeah. is very bold. Uh, you're going to pick the field up half a second in their in their fastest event. So uh, we'll we'll see how that one works out, Luke. Um, that that could be our biggest miss. But that whole West Coast thing, I just went what down.
0: What if I it? What if I just said, "Hey, they're going to pick up half a second, and I'm
1: right." That would oh, be epic, be genius level. Yes. I mean, it would be be incredible.
0: Uh, while, while you're going on to your next bold prediction, I'm going to scroll back from years prior. Cause I think surely they got faster than that. Andy. Yeah. Stand by for that. Okay.
1: Should I move on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll okay. just interrupt you. I'm good at that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't really know, um, you know, who's chasing what and HRA points and, you know, I know sometimes just like Bob Locke, these things are determined by the people that, that have a little success at uh, a critical point in the season and it propels them up the list and they continue on chasing the dream. And, you know, I, I guess anytime you try to pick a winner basically after just one event, uh, that's, uh, you know, sometimes guy might call it over. Uh, so, you know, that's a bold prediction. But I'm going to say that, I don't know, he just seems like a like he's in a really good place in life. He's healthy. He's happy. He's one of the best drivers in racing. He has won a million-dollar race on the bracket side. He's won world championships on the NHRA side, and he's about to win the 2023 Super Gas World Championship, and his name is Sherman Adcock. Sherm, okay, yeah, okay. Sherm is going to get by you, Luke, and win the Super Gas Championship. And, you know, as much as I know that's not really your plan for the year, I know that you'll be happy for Sherm because we like seeing our friends do well. And Sherm is our friend.
0: We brought this up on a previous show, and obviously it's a great pick right now because last I checked, Sherm's leading the world. They've had one race he won it. He has won two Supergas World Championships in the past. He's one of just three drivers to have done that. No one to date has won three. And I just feel like I said this a few weeks ago and and I'll stand behind it. It feels right for Sherman to do that because it feels like he's like one of the godfathers of the category and is still and his two championships I think are separated by well over a decade and it's been about a decade since his last one like it it just seems to line Uh up yeah
1: and i don't know i hadn't looked at the two that he won previous but i would bet he got off to a fast start in florida and in south georgia in those previous championships and he done it again and i'm feeling really good for sherman
0: all right, quick update. I've gone back three years now at Indy, and I still haven't found a bump outside of the 690s, so mm. bold, bold prediction for top sportsmen. Come on, guys. Yeah, step that's really up. bold. I want all every top sportsman competitor that may or may not be listening, I want you to channel your inner Lester Johnson <laughs> and step this up for the U.S. national or, or any event for that matter. Just give me one, one 650 bump
1: yeah that's all you need just one just one all right so you got
0: sherm winning the world championship we got a west coast og million winner we got a big spring fling million we got d4 running over the crimson tide oh all right um let's stay on the nhra topic we discussed this a little bit a couple of weeks ago big jen nhra's declaration that uh no more blinders, right? No, no more blocking in stock and super stock. Yeah. And I don't know at the time I was more, um, entertained by the, the fallout of that ruling than I was really trying to predict whether or not they would stick. I think I've had a little bit of a change of course. I think this sticks. That's my bold prediction that there won't be, there won't be blinders in NHRA. Like they're actually going to enforce the rule. Um, and, and my reasoning for that is. I guess there's three thoughts that come to mind. The first is it does appear for whatever reason, like I don't completely understand the the uh insurance obligations behind this, but it seems like NHRA is going to be steadfast on this or, or the, the putting their foot down and seemingly reinforcing that repeatedly. So I don't I don't know exactly what the catalyst is for that, but it does seem like it is a a a point of emphasis for the NHRA but what i've been more surprised by recently and at least in the the people that i have spoken to is the sentiment among the racers that by and large like this is a good thing and from two different fronts the first being Justin Lamb actually put this in a way that i while i've i've thought along these lines i don't think i could put it into the same words that he he did what he said was just point blank. Like I run stock and super stock because it's a full tree class and I enjoy hitting the bottom. And when you allow blinders, you turn a full tree class into a pro tree class. Like I want everybody to hit the bottom. And that's coming from someone that's an an adamant non-blocker, right? Has always been. So that's kind of what you would expect him to say. I talked with another racer over the weekend and I, I don't think he would mind me saying it. I was talking with Slate Cummings yesterday at Gulfport and Slate, is one that they've basically sworn off NHRA. And I just assumed this would be another one, like another reason I ain't going. And he looked at me, he said, man, he said, I haven't hit the bottom clean in five years. He said, I've blocked for four or five years. He said, they made that rule. He said, I've sworn off NHRA, ain't going back. They made that rule. It makes me want to go back. I said, what, why? He said, well, I went to blocking because everybody blocked and- I was a little bit better in the daytime blocking than I was not. Like it just was harder to screw up. He said, but if you take it away from everybody, he said, it's so much of a crutch for everybody else. He says, the field is going to get softer. And I think I can be, he said, I'm going to be a little bit worse if I can't block, but everybody else can be way worse. Or the majority of the field is going to be way worse. And, and it opened things up. So, like I say, the feedback that I've gotten by and large is that this is supported by the racers, with the exception of what I think is a, a fairly strong minority of racers that it's so much of a crutch that they can't fathom operating any other way. And I think by and large, like that is the stereotypical stock, super stock racer, like aging stock, super stock racer. And I, I, there's a part of me that almost says that this rule change brings in a little bit of an injection of new life, of new blood, so to speak. It's not going to change the demographic of stock super stock, but I think it encourages more of the the true blue bracket racers to want to do it um, because it's more what they're used to. So like I say, all of those factors combined, I could be completely wrong on this because NHRA's consistency in terms of rule enforcement, consistency in a lot of things oftentimes wanes. So who knows? but I just feel like the vibe right now is that this is a rule that's going to be a point of emphasis for whatever reason. And I think is going to be largely accepted by the stock super stock crowd. I think it sticks. And then I don't know what that means. I don't know if or when or how that trickles down into like normal bracket competition. It's hard to imagine Jed going to a big footbreak race and not seeing blinders. But again, I, I'll kind of fall back to what I said three weeks ago that if the tree is, is blinded like a national event tree, I don't know that there's a ton of need for the way that most foot brake racers use blinders. Cause I think we're mostly blocking the other side of the tree, but anyway, that's a different discussion for a different day. But my bold prediction is that that rule sticks and is actually enforced throughout the season.
1: Very interesting that you, you chose that as one of yours. Cause I definitely thought about that as one of mine. I did not make a bold prediction um, involving that ruling, but uh, my thoughts were that someone is going to be disqualified from an NHRA event this year because of uh, trying to figure out some kind of loophole in the rule. And the rule is pretty clear. Uh, I've I've read it to where I think they didn't leave much for interpretation. So um, I uh, I do believe the rule will stick uh, for a lot of reasons, and I totally understand. You know, Justin Lamb and Slade, uh, you know, this potentially does separate the upper echelon from the average a little more than where it is today. So uh, because winners figure it out, they figure out a way to to adapt and compete. And I, I do think the racing will be a little sloppier, Luke. So don't misunderstand what I'm what I'm saying. I do think the racing will be a little sloppier but you know the upper echelon sloppy is a is an 025 window it's an 025 miss the average is going to be an 050 miss or 070 miss and I really think that's going to create more separation so I totally understand where Luke and Justin are, I mean Luke and Justin Slate and Justin are coming from and uh and I do expect the winners to continue winning. and they, they can change those rules all they want to but the creams uh, is gonna
0: rise to the top. Yep.
1: Yeah, until you tell them that the, the first one of the finish line wins in each category and that's that's all and you just you know cubic dollars outrun everything else, then anytime there's a handicap involved, your better, more talented racers are going to find a way to win. So uh, love that love that rule. Love that bold prediction. Um, my next one is a bold prediction. Um, but, uh, but it really isn't when you hear it. So the IHRA is, you know, a lot of things have changed and they've expanded into some states that they haven't been in in quite some time. One of those states, Luke, is my home state of Alabama. They have rounded up some facilities that Never even thought about being part of programs like this. You know, all my home tracks around me are are IHRA now. And there's going to be an IHRA bracket finals right here in my home state. And world finals are going to be in the state just west of us in Mississippi. That is bad news for all IHRA competitors outside of the state of Alabama so my bold prediction for 2023 is the ihra top bulb world champion will come from the state of alabama and even more more bolder than that pick is that it will come from the good time baileyton drag strip the good time will get their first world champion on the ihra side you know it's going to be a heath davis or a hunter whitehead or god knows who that's the baddest of the bad up there at the good times those racers don't mess around they go out and compete on big stages and then they come home and race each other like crazy bayleton is going to get the ihra top bulb world championship this year congratulations to the good time
0: congratulations to the good time i uh it's funny you bring that up because one of my predictions that didn't make the cut and it's just because i'm not plugged into it enough like i don't i'm not plugged into it enough to make a prediction what's going to happen moving forward with the ihra and the wdra but to your point what the ihra groundswell you can sorry we're interrupting a uh, hide and seek behind me if you guys can hear that <laughs> the uh the, the ihra has created a groundswell of not only like signing up racetracks. But to your point, Jed, signing up racetracks, multiple dozens of racetracks that I don't think have ever been sanctioned by anyone, right? It's the same thing in this area. Yeah. Every local track to me, with the exception of the racetrack formerly known as Gateway, I think every one of them has gone IHRA. And the vast majority had were in, independent since I've lived here, you know, for 13, 14 years. Um, so I don't know where all of that leads. And I don't know if there is an opportunity for those two bodies to come together and combine the, the because I think they both largely have good things going in, in a little bit different areas. Um, I don't know if there's a, an opportunity there to to combine resources and really make something that, that pushes NHRA for the pinnacle of the sport, at least from a sportsman drag racing standpoint. I guess I, like I, I just, I don't, I don't feel plugged in enough to speak on that. But it is interesting to watch and pretty impressive to watch in a short period of time. IHRA specifically just continue to round up these tracks that never affiliated themselves with anything.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's a, it's a big get for them to come in Alabama and get some of these facilities. And I know they're doing that in many states years, as you mentioned. So, uh, I, I you know, I feel really good about Um, what they'll have to offer for 2023 and let's hope this uh, you know gives them some momentum to continue not only um, you know keeping the tracks that they have signed but obviously gaining some more as well but you know when when the racers see the Alabama dominance in the world finals and certainly the bracket finals it could tend to push some states away where they want to separate from the union and you know, have their own deal that Alabama can't dominate. So, you know, we'll, we'll apologize in advance, but top bulb world champions coming from the state that I call home, sweet home, Alabama.
0: Well, if, if Scooter was still in charge, they would just eliminate Alabama, make it ineligible. That's how he handled that. You win too <laughs> yeah, much, you that out.
1: yeah. Well, they had to do that, but not anymore. Uh, I'll go,
0: uh, I'll go back to the big dollar bracket realm, Big Jib. I've even got the shirt on, wore it just for this occasion. Hunter's out of jail, Big Jib. 2023 will be a honey assance. <laughs> that's that's a honey Wayne Renaissance. It's a honey assance. Okay. I won't put the burden of expectation on Hunter Patton enough to say that we're going to revisit 2020. Like that's a lightning in a bottle year. Like that's a once in a lifetime deal for. Just about anybody. But I think we're going to say Hunter's name repeatedly throughout the year. I think he's going to be back in the winter circle where he hasn't missed a beat. And he's just, I feel like watching Hunter, I feel like he went through this progression of like what seemed from the outside as immediate success. Obviously, he paid his dues, he cut his teeth coming up in, in, in racing. But then when he burst onto the scene, he burst onto the scene. And at first, everybody's happy for this kid that's winning, right? And I don't think like that did much for Hunter, but when it all flipped, whether it was the stage in games or just winning too much. And then especially after the the mess at, at South Georgia that, that ultimately got him suspended for a year. Like it was just really easy to hate Hunter and watching him compartmentalize that leading up to that. Like he's just one of the, maybe a lot of people are like this. I feel like it's relatively rare. Like I don't, not only does Hunter race better, I feel like with that chip on his shoulder, I think he needs it. In the last year where it would humble a lot of people, I just think it's made that chip like where it's going to be on there for a while. And I just, I see big things. I don't know if it's on the NHRA tour, the big dollar bracket tour or both, but I think 2023, Honey Assange.
1: I love the phrase. That phrase is going to catch on. Uh, I love it, honey. Essence, um, Luke. That's a great prediction. It is bold uh, because it's ultra competitive in the world that that Honey Wayne will be uh, living in the space that he'll occupy. But you know, he's a he's an exceptional talent. You know, he really is. Uh, not only is he great on the racetrack, he's great at the the hot rod preparation part of what it takes to be competitive and go win you know he's uh he's really good at that he, he does plenty of people's cars and gets them ready and of course does his own so love that pick and um and again there's another one that i would like to see come to fruition because um yeah stupid stupid move dumb move that that hunter did and who knows what was going on in his life that that led to that instant rage
0: indefensible to be fair
1: it is indefensible but you can't just judge somebody's whole being on one silly dumb mistake decision whatever you know you can't hate that guy because he made a dumb decision he'll tell you he made a dumb decision he's a good dude and he's good for racing he's good at racing and certainly Um, going to be hard to handle once he's back in the swing and and going, and he's obviously eligible now so would love to see that love to see that one happen great prediction right there Luke my final one we got one more each okay okay one more each my final one and this one's this one's kind of bold because there's a lot of talent at this event but I mean let's face it uh Alabama influence and a, and, a, and another Alabama uh, group competing together is just freaking I mean the odds are in our favor. Uh, I don't go to the races if I don't think I can win. and I don't surround myself with teammates that I don't think can win with me. Team bad guys will be the first ever two time, dream team champion team bad guys will go to holly springs we're ready our uh, our leader Larry martin went last year with a kind of an untested uh, combination this year he's going to be dialed 480 uh in the door car side so there's a big dragster too that he chases we've got sasquatch Dwayne martin i mean this guy if he just shows you the hair on his back you're scared to death already and you think you're racing grizzly adams and that's scary we've got abe lincoln christopher martin who just don't care i mean he doesn't care like just give me your best guy and let's roll and that's that's scary we've got nick ross won a 50 grander in his past when he makes it to the track all three times a year, he's right around the final round and just ultra competitive all three of those times that he gets to the track. And then you've got me, which, you know, I mean, I know I'm jinxing myself here, but I'm undefeated in top bulb dream team competition. I have not lost a round since, uh, since I've been racing top bulb at the dream team. So, you know, I feel pretty good. Got called out last year. You know, first round, we we're going to call out, and everybody's, ooh, y'all got called out. You know, what's happened? Well, we went five and 0. Um, so that's kind of confidence we're bringing into this thing. We've won it before. We know what it takes. We're a tight-knit group. We talk to each other at least a couple of times a year, really tight, really close, and we're ready. And We're going to go to Holly Springs for the Dream Team Challenge and take the top bulb title. For the second time and be the only two time champion ever.
0: I knew that the, I knew there was, I knew the Division four thing was a front. Like it was yeah. just, it was the it was a setup. setup, it was, it was the setup. setup for the knockout. Yeah. Okay.
1: It was a setup.
0: A- Alabama Jed comes out eventually.
1: Yeah. Top bulb world champion, team bad guys. Yep. Yeah.
0: Good time world champion, team bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, my last one, I actually had it on my list first, and I don't know why I kept pushing it down the list. Um, I'll go back to the NHRA stuff, and this gets this gets tricky because this is really bold. You've got what six, seven, eight, nine hundred racers in each category over the course of the year that earn points toward a national championship, trying to to claim one name. You did it. You picked Sherman and Supergas, right? But claiming I mean, one—that's a needle in a haystack type of thing, right? I just feel like. The talent that this young man has, the attitude that he brings to the racetrack, now the experience that he's gained on the biggest stages, combined with the fact that at least in his demographic, I feel like I don't want to say that he's he's one of a dying breed. I hope that that's not the case. But it feels like the majority of young guns are far more interested in the big dollar bracket scene than the NHRA class racing scene. And you can, you can make a lot of logical reasons for that. I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but I appreciate the respect that Tyler Bohannon has for NHRA competition. And even in watching him compete and then talking to him when we had him on the show about a year ago, you can tell that there is nothing that would mean more to him than an NHRA world championship. And I think when you combine all of that and put it into a pot, again, it's a bold prediction to pick one needle out of the haystack, but I think this is the year. Tebow to the world. Stock, super stock, super comp, whatever he wants to run. I think he gets hot in one of them, makes a deep run at it, ultimately wins his first world championship.
1: That's a bold prediction, and I love it. Uh, really a guy that's uh, that's coming into his own um has shown obviously he can win on the biggest of stages uh, winning the guaranteed million um certainly very competitive in many different categories I don't know what he will pursue the hardest or if he'll just dabble in all of them until he decides which one is most important to him but I, I really love that pick and um you know if you're gonna if you're gonna saddle up on a guy and and put all your eggs in a basket and say this is the guy who who could you pick any better than any more versatile than Tebow Um, can do it on the bottom do it on the top do it on the stop do it on uh, the pro tree he's got all the skills he's got great equipment great talent and uh, you know he's got the freedom to go get after these events and chase them so solid solid pick right there Luke very bold prediction as you say trying to you know pick and get a needle out of haystack but uh i think that's a really good pick and and somebody that's going to be in the mix you know whether he wins it or not that remains to be seen but i bet tebow is going to be in the mix really all you can ask for is a chance awesome pick right there so i think that uh i think that does it for our bold predictions luke Uh, what was that six apiece
0: no six apiece Yeah, How can we revisit this? How can we hold ourselves accountable? It feels like there's going to be great opportunity eight months from now to laugh at this.
1: Yes, uh, most definitely will. And I I think we need to set ourselves a reminder to, to bring this back up sometime, you know, around October and, uh, and see how we did. But
0: I hope we, we might need to lean on the loyal listeners here because full transparency, like we don't have a document for this show. So hopefully somebody's keeping track of these, uh, of these bold predictions
1: well i've go on, got bold. it in my notes it's in my phone forever it's in my notes so there you go. at least mine Actually, mine, is,
0: mine is as well all right okay. there you go
1: so yeah we're solid we're solid i got a file so good stuff luke really enjoyed it a fairly short show but uh but you know a fun one where we can put ourselves out there and um and you know just make some bold predictions and see where they where they land at the end of the year so um, we won't have to wait till the end of the year on some of it because, uh, the dream team, you know, we'll have that one settled in may and then, you know, the all-stars will be done a little sooner as well. So some of my bold predictions will come true well before the end of the year, but some of them will take to the end of the year to come true. What if we hit all of them? Like, that'd be incredible.
0: I th- if you're laying odds, I think it's more likely that we hit none than all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably more likely and you know, not just because we're not great at it, it's just because it's freaking hard, okay? Yeah, if we bet 500, that would be amazing. That's why they're bold predictions.
0: Yeah, we didn't we didn't title the podcast
1: obvious predictions.
0: <laughs> Who wants to listen to that?
1: That's a great point. Really good. All right. Well, I guess that wraps us up. It was a fun show. Um you know, we we do um have to drag a little uh odd content in sometimes and this was a bit of an odd show for us but it was fun it was good stuff and uh, li- loyal listeners hashtag loyal listeners you guys hold us accountable keep us accountable for our list and make sure that we bring this back up sometime later this year and see how we uh how we're tracking on our bowl predictions um if you want to add some to the show if you liked what you heard didn't like what you heard Whatever, if you want to chime in, you can go right there to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, and uh, and give us your thoughts. And you can even tell us maybe about a show that you would like us to do, show um, show ideas, if you will. So, just go right there to the Facebook page and let us know what you're thinking. And if you don't feel comfortable putting that out there for everyone, you can send us a private message, and producer Mark will snag that right up, and uh, and tell us what you had to say. Luke, are there any shouts? I mean, these live shows, you really don't get a whole lot of opportunity to do shouts, but you might have a shout. Shouts
0: to the good time. If you haven't had the opportunity to have a good time at the good time, let me tell you, you just don't know how good a time you could have.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a great point. That's a really good shout.
0: Shouts to the other 15 top bulb teams. That will be coming to Holly Springs. Obviously, not believing that they can win the event because you and your team are the only people that come in believing that you can win. Shouts to Dwayne Martin and his back hair. Shouts to the Honey Assants, twenty
1: twenty three. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get to say at some point thirty one is back. 31 honey's 100. back. Guess who's back. Honey's back. Honey's back. Who's back? Yeah, Honey's back. 31 other teams. That's right.
0: Yeah, whatever.
1: And yeah, he is close. All right, guys. So, uh, if you like to tweet, Luke and I are active on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Tweet us. Let us know what's up on the Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there as well. That does it for this show. We appreciate you sticking in with us this long and watching and listening. And we uh, look forward very much to talking to you again real soon about more sportsman drag racing.
0: Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.